0: Welcome to the Transit Planning for All podcast series. This is DeBrittany Mitchell speaking, and I am co-hosting today's podcast, along with my colleague David Haw from the Institute for Community Inclusion. In this series of conversations, we invite transportation planners and advocates to share lessons learned in their journey towards inclusive transportation planning. Inclusive planning actively involves older adults and people with disabilities, And the efforts lead to the development of community and public transportation programs that effectively meet the needs of the people for whom they are designed to serve.
1: Today's featured speaker is John Egelhoff, Executive Director at the Southwest Michigan Planning Commission and a certified planner with the American Institute of Certified Planners. The Commission co-sponsors workshops and is a participant in many discussions or work groups relating to various topics. Topics generally relate to the continuing program areas that the Commission undertakes, such as transportation, economic development, land use, growth management, solid waste, and resource management. Listen as John shares his story of working with others to advocate for a redesign of a major transportation corridor in Southwest Michigan and improve the inclusivity of transportation services in his community. John, maybe you want to share a little bit about some of how you've engaged methods you've used for public engagement, a little bit of the story that you most recently had where you They were redoing a quarter, a a transportation quarter near you and we're just going to repave it and be done with it. But then things got interesting after
2: that. So Right. Um, If you don't mind, I'll I'll talk a little bit about my relationship to um, public transit. Uh, I should say the my organization's relationship. Um, is that does that seem
1: appropriate yes absolutely absolutely
2: okay. and, uh, and transportation um, in general yes Right, sure okay so uh, my organization is a regional planning organization um, and uh, I think there's a there's a few different ways that people might be familiar with that uh, practitioners um, one is uh, some know, uh, organizations like ours as Metropolitan Planning Organizations, Metropolitan Transportation Planning Organizations. Um, others might know us as Regional Planning Organizations. We happen to be both of those things. Those two things are somewhat unique. Um, MPOs are specifically focused on transportation. Regional Planning Organizations tend to be um, more broadly focused on uh, land use planning in the in a region. Uh, in our case, We are a regional planning organization that has, uh, if you think of it as a big Venn diagram, we're a regional planning organization in the southwest corner of Michigan. And inside of our region are two different metropolitan planning organization uh, urbanized areas. So we are an MPO twice over, but also a regional planning organization. So I'm not trying to be confusing. I'm just saying if you if that nomenclature matters to you. That's kind of what we are. Uh, we are not a service delivery organization. We don't deliver transit service, um, but we are a kind of a uh, uh, a staff of professional planners who can help um, in all measure of um, transportation delivery. For those who are delivering transportation, we tend to be, uh, you know, at the thirty thousand foot. How does it all fit together? How does public transit connect to the way that we uh, move uh, vehicles uh, through the, the road network, all of that kind of stuff. So um, that's kind of the way we approach this, uh, and then we we try to partner with those who are delivering service so that we can sync it all up uh, in, in the most effective way possible. Um, I don't know how effective that was, but at least that's a start. If people have questions about, you know, how we fit in. Or, or maybe what you're familiar with and how it might coincide with what we are. I'm happy to, to you know, field those questions. But anyway, that's a start. Um, but the, uh, the project that um, was being referred to was a, a really um, a critical quarter of in our region. Um, it happens that we're uh, very water centric in our region. We have Lake Michigan to the west and then rivers and uh, uh, And uh, Lakes uh, inland lakes also and sometimes what happens is uh, you wind up having corridors, only a few corridors that cross over main water uh, main rivers. So we have a we have a river that runs uh, through a couple of different towns in our region. And um, one of those main bridges that goes over that river is the beginning of a critical quarter. It's got a hospital, uh, health, uh, hospital and a health Hospital and a sort of a center for health uh, services in one at one end and a very um, Commercial area on the other end and a connection to our interstate and everywhere in between. It's got schools. Uh, it's got um, uh, social service organizations, um, churches, uh, lots of, um, you know, sort of lots of different stuff along the, uh, along the corridor. And um, also, what we've done is we've um, mapped the populations that live uh, along that corridor and found that the percentage of those who are disabled um, households that don't have access to vehicles are very significant Um, so in some portions of that corridor there's as many as a third of the households do not have access to a vehicle Um, we also know that um, those that are living below the poverty level are significant so um, when the road department decided it was time to repave that corridor uh, we were concerned that um, the, those populations would not get what they sh- deserve to get out of a multi use, uh, multimodal corridor. Um, so we kind of uh, made a fuss and uh, tried to get um, the folks who maybe hadn't seen um, that corridor as an opportunity to see it as an opportunity uh, in the future. Um, the, just a quickie here the corridor is a relatively narrow. Uh, right-of-way, um, but there are four lanes um, in the majority of that corridor um, there. What we've also found is that there have been vehicle uh, pedestrian fatalities there because there are no sidewalks. There is no provision for um, bicyclists, um, so really, and, and there's no provision for public transit to have um, uh, pull-offs or any of that sort of thing to serve uh, folks. So. It's a dangerous quarter moved a lot of cars and uh, the cars travel travel it's posted at 40 miles an hour, but they tend to travel even faster than that. So a lot of the ingredients are in play for um, Some real serious uh, concerns there. So uh, we we kind of pulled the process back um, using whatever persuasion we could um, and said, hey, listen, the opportunity here exists for us to do a, a fairly robust study on that corridor to find out if it can accommodate uh, a lot of different modes, uh, meaning more than just uh, uh, vehicles. It, it, you know, can it accommodate bikes in a safe way? Can it accommodate pedestrians? What about buses? Um, so We went out and got a grant from the Federal Transit Administration after it was demonstrated we had enough support, uh, we had enough local match to make that happen. Uh, we got a, a $160,000 grant from uh, the Federal Transit Administration, $40,000 in match locally, and we studied that corridor to find out um, if it could accommodate. And by doing so, uh, we made uh, especially certain to um, survey those disabled population, well, as broad a range of, of the population along that corridor as we could. We held, uh, public meetings, um, numerous public meetings. Um, we had a website where people could make comments, um, uh, on the website on all sorts of different opportunities. Um, so we, um, we took every, uh, we, we pulled every tool we could out of the tool book to, uh, uh to, to solicit public opinion on that. Um, and ultimately the study was completed. Um, it was determined that a road diet was possible there, meaning um, you could go from four lanes to three and have that additional um, width accommodate both uh both uh pedestrian uh sidewalks and uh bike lanes um and uh and 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 public transit. So we're in the process now of, um, of pressuring uh, everyone we can to uh, implement those, that plan. Um, we have solicited, uh, well, part of the strategy in the beginning was soliciting um, other groups, um, United Way and uh, uh, other folks who, who had a real active interest in, in um, the populations we were trying to uh, uh, champion and make sure that they were advocates for the plan, both during its creation and when, it's, when it was completed. So now they're putting pressure on elected officials to implement the plan. So, wait, yeah, so you're that?
1: yeah. So you're right now, you're okay, just kind that. of at that point of like that uh, you've got the plan, now you've got to find the resources to implement it or?
2: Well, what happens now is we handed the plan over to the, uh, the county road department And the county road department then had to make their decision about where they're going to take our planning document and actually uh, build engineering, uh, you know, build their engineering around that planning document. So uh, there were, we always knew there were steps that would um, That would have to go between the planning side of it and the actual engineering and implementation side. So we're really at that point where The funding for the road reconstruction is done, but the uh, what would actually happen in the design phase, the engineering and design phase, would be up to the county road department to uh, to do. So that that has what goes along with that is a lot of details of process and stuff, and I can get into that too. But um, the bottom line is. We're seeing really um, potentially encouraging signs from the director of the county road department who says they've done um, uh, Traffic movement studies. They've actually modeled the uh, the planning document that we um, That we created they use uh, computer models to determine whether it would uh, function as the plan had hoped and it looked like everything was coming back positive so, uh, so far, so good.
1: So I know when we chatted about this previously, you mentioned that there was a point where they engaged, that you felt like there was a real change in tenor from from the road, was it the road department that you felt like there was gonna be resistance and then over time it it really did change. Is that correct or is that
2: a... It is, I'll describe what that was. Um, When we initially said, uh, well, internally, we knew there was an opportunity um, to transform this corridor, um, but we also knew that there were a lot of folks out there who um, may not have, uh, well, I guess I'll be kind of frank here, I, I um, that may not have that same vision, um, that believed that as long as the road department was willing to repave the road, uh, that that was a win. Um, so to to recreate exactly what was on on the ground um, but in a fresh with fresh pavement was was the best they could hope for uh, so what we did was we got um, some of our partners together uh, one organization that advocates for advocates for um, uh, active transportation uh, in, in not passive but actually active transportation where people are moving themselves with a the bike or by their own feet um, with the county Health Department and us, we, went, we got together and went to the jurisdictions along this corridor and told them that um, this, this was our plan, that we thought there was a chance that this corridor could be reimagined. And um, the story I had told David was uh, and the rest of the group at CPAA was that um, when we sat in that meeting, we sat with elected officials from that jurisdiction, their police chief. And uh, I think they're a public works person. and um, there were people from that jurisdiction that were so incensed at us, so um, visibly angry um, to be you know shaking mad at the, the prospect that we would tell them uh, that you know anything but what they were imagining was, was, was uh, desirable. Um, we were trying to explain that um, there was significant populations from their jurisdiction that were not, uh, that didn't have a safe corridor to travel on. And 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 we shared our data with them and stuff. And they their response was uh, they knew what their population needed and wanted, and they didn't need us to tell them so. Um, so th- this was, uh, and, and it was a lot less friendly even than that. So uh, it was a tough meeting. Um, when we ultimately got that grant and started moving through the process, we made sure that we had um, uh, Two representatives from that jurisdiction and both of which were at that meeting um, participating all the way along on a steering committee. Um, and about a third of the way through the process. They completely pivoted and uh, were absolutely advocating. For a, a, a reimagined corridor that accommodated those various other users. Uh, it was striking uh, and, and shocking to see, but a real testament to engaging people and bringing them along, whether they seem like friends or not.
1: We want to thank John Agelhoff of the Southwest Michigan Planning Commission for joining us on this edition of the Transit Planning for All podcast. John's story of transportation advocacy shows the critical importance of inclusive public engagement and making the community member's voices heard. John took action and began advocating with individuals with disabilities and older adults, which led to vast improvement for the transportation corridor in Michigan.
0: In his advocacy, John recognized the importance of building a coalition with others so that he was not the lone voice in advocating. Which is critical to effective and inclusive advocacy. He also partnered with organizations that already had strong connections and experience in effective advocacy and are already focused on transportation needs, which was also very c- critical to their success.
1: In addition to engaging those in his community, John conducted a study to demonstrate the needs to be addressed and the changes that needed to be implemented before the corridor would be truly inclusive for all in his community. Using research and data to support recommendations is a key step to influence and inform community leaders about the challenges in accessing transportation for people with disabilities and older adults.
0: This podcast is a production of Transit Planning for All, an inclusive and coordinated transportation planning project seeking to increase inclusion in transportation planning and services for people with disabilities and older adults.
1: Transit Planning for All is funded by the Administration on Community Living at the US Department of Health and Human Services. Transit Planning for All is operated by the Community Transportation Association of America, CTAA, in conjunction with N4A, the National Association of Area Agencies and Agents, DJB Evaluation Consultation, and the Institute for Community Inclusion at the University of Massachusetts, Boston.
0: Our project's website is acltoolkit.com. If you have any questions or comments on this podcast, please go to our website, acltoolkit.com, and click on the Ask the Expert section. Episodes of the Transit Planning for All podcast are released monthly via our website and various podcast platforms. This is Brittany Mitchell.
1: And this is David Hoff. Thank you for listening, and please join
2: us again.